Hello and welcome back to the Littlest Petcast. I'm your host, James. And today we are looking at the episode To Paris with Zoe. So, it begins with Blaith reading a book and she's just not understanding it because it's her French textbook. And she doesn't really understand French all too well and doesn't get it. And even says... It might as well be another language or something to that effect. So uh, the pets offer to help her since they've been listening to her study. Uh, this is the pets minus Zoe at this point. And uh, Blythe kind of accepts the idea. So when Pepper tries to speak French, it's just gibberish in a French accent because that's how French sounds when Blythe says it according to Pepper. And Blythe is like, uh, I don't, I can't get it. So then Roger walks into the pet shop and has exciting news for Blythe and asks her to guess. And Blythe guesses French is no longer a language? And Roger's like, no. And when Blythe tries to guess again, Roger just tells her. So he begins with Zoe's owners are sick. And Blythe doesn't think that's all too exciting but then Roger explains that they asked him to ask Blythe to take Zoe to a fashion show on the pet jet to Paris. This excites Blythe so much that she jumps on Roger and gives him a hug. Because she's so excited about going to Paris. And then she starts singing... I am going to Paris. I am going to Paris. And then the pets join in with, She is going to Paris. She is going to Paris. And the opening happens, and then we transition to them getting on the pet jet, and Blythe is still singing that. And Roger says, You're not going to sing that the whole flight, are you? And Blythe answers, I might. But then a woman comes out, and says that, like, everything's ready, we're good to take off. And Roger introduces her as Stephanie, and Stephanie is his co-pilot. Uh, Stephanie says she's heard a lot about Blythe, and she also has a daughter on board named Emma. Uh, Roger wishes Blythe a good flight, and then asks Stephanie to hit the sky, because they're pilots, and you know, hit the sky, I guess. So uh, when Blythe gets over to the passenger's part of the pet jet, uh, she finds Emma immediately, who's reading a bunch of books. And Blythe and Emma just introduce each other to themselves. And, um, you know, Blythe uh, wonders... Uh, why she has all that reading material. And Emma explains that she wants to be a travel guide and is studying up on Paris. Blythe thinks that's really cool, but points out that she is looking at a book on Germany. And then Emma says, Oh no! Or as they say in Canada, Sacre bleu! <laughs> like, I mean... They do? <laughs> but, I mean, 
I guess this show's Canadian, so they have to acknowledge the French part sometime. <laughs> Maybe? I don't know. Like, but why not just say France? You already have Blythe studying French at the beginning of the episode. At, why, why at this point do you back down on saying France? This is probably the only time they backed down on that. I, I just don't get it. But back to the episode. So, um, Emma then invites Blythe to walk around Paris with her, and Blythe says she would love to, but then Zoe barks, and Blythe says that she's really here to help a friend. And Emma understands this completely, but keeps the invitation open, which Blythe appreciates. Blythe leaves to go to Zoe, and Emma says, as they say in Italy, ciao. Which is also a tad weird... I mean, it's not weird for her character. I, you know, I kind of like Emma as a character. Even though we don't get to see her too often. In fact, I don't know if she appears outside this season, if I'm going to be honest. But maybe she does and I just forgot. Or it's an episode I don't really watch a lot or something. But I think Emma's pretty cool. So, um... Zoe is chewing on her squeaky hot dog... And Blythe comments on how much Zoe packed, and Zoe tells Blythe about her mantra of, When in doubt, pack everything. So Blythe asks her if she's nervous, and Zoe says she's just excited because it's her first overseas fashion show, and she'll get to see Madame Pom again. Blythe says she's excited too, but helping Zoe is the priority. And Zoe says, You've never let me down before. And I guess at that point, you could... Hear the always sunny music going, do 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 do, while saying Blythe lets Zoe down. It's 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 kind of like that. Anyway, so the plane starts and Zoe starts rapidly chewing her squeaky hot dog again. So then, um, back at the pet shop, Mrs. Twombly rolls out the TV so she and the pets, I guess just the pets, actually. Yeah, so here's the thing about taking notes. Um, if I don't know what happens at the end, I can make assumptions and they can sometimes be wrong. So I assume Mrs. Tomley would be watching here with them, but that's not the case. But you know what? That's, uh, that's about what I'm going to say about this part. So that... Uh, they can watch the competition that Zoe is on, but then Twombly turns on the TV and then realizes that they don't get the channel that the competition is on. They do get stuff like the Bread Crust Network and the Insect Channel, though. So Mrs. Twombly decides to call the cable company to, you know, ask about getting the channel. But Vinny is taken in by the insect channel. Meanwhile, the rest of the pets are excited to see Zoe on TV and they wonder if they'll see Blythe as well, which you should not hope for because every time Blythe has appeared on TV so far, it has turned out horribly for Blythe. 
and horribly sometimes for the people around Blythe. Because, <laughs> like, holy moly. it It's not great. Anyway, Minka says she wishes they were there so they can watch themselves on TV. Russell points out that if they were there, they can't watch themselves on TV. And Minka says, I know. But uh, that seeming lack of understanding hurts Russell's brain. <laughs> and uh, oh boy, there's something later in this episode that you are accused of. Uh, that I will accuse you of. Uh, that kind of hurts my brain. <laughs> so, so I guess we're all even. Anyway, so Sunil is interested in seeing Paris itself. And... Pepper is too, based on Blythe's description of it, and Pepper says that they can imagine it, and then a song happens. So before we get into the the song itself, I want to tell you about something. It's called Paris Syndrome. It's basically uh, a mental illness or a mental breakdown in which uh, the victims of Paris Syndrome uh, like see Paris for what it actually is versus their idealized version of Paris and like a bunch of just weird mental things happen to them. And while according to Wikipedia, it's not officially recognized as a condition in the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, I still think that if it happens or any other mental illness happens, you should figure out a way to treat it or assist in getting better depending on how you want to use the word treatment so why am i bringing this up because this song is just about how great paris is and that's also kind of the episode as well. And it's just full of French and Paris stereotypes. And it's just weird how much they like stroke the ego of Paris. Like, if there's one city in the world that doesn't need its ego stroked, it's Paris. Because, like, we can just kind of tell it's pretty cool. It has a lot of interesting history things going on with it. And it has a lot of interesting modern things going on with it. And it's just... Yeah, like... it. It's a pretty cool city, but it's not, like, the best city in all of the world. Like, this song and later this episode likes to think it is. I mean, I like I only said those positive things to just prove I can see the appeal, but like this this just goes above and beyond. 
like it it romanticizes Paris so hard and I wouldn't be surprised if like children who were inspired to go to Paris by this episode maybe caught Paris syndrome because like Paris isn't what the talking animals on TV told me it was going to be and it's it's really weird just how how like ego stroking this song is and there are like a few specific things about it that are also kind of weird so like it 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 does talk about the food and the cafes and stuff and like they also have a frog there about to eat a fly but uh they cover the fly with um like a like a cutout thing where like it's it's an image but with the face cut out and like you put your face in there and you take a picture and it's like a souvenir it's kind of like that but of can can dancers so that the frog doesn't eat the fly but frogs eat flies that's what they do and that's just a little weird but like another weird thing is that there's a bit in the Louvre where uh Minka paints a bigger smile on the Mona Lisa and uh paints uh Picasso as having a blue face cuz of his blue period cuz that's you know whatever and then the lyric comes up it says Van Gogh is here and then Van Gogh pops up and says have you seen my ear which kind of discounts like that whole history with Van Gogh and his ear it's like oops he just doesn't have an ear where's my ear but that's not what happened at all he cut him off himself because he was having mental problems he wasn't mentally sound and he was just he just cut off his ear because he felt like he had to do that which he didn't and you don't you if you are having mental problems you go see a medical professional who specializes in these mental problems <laughs> And, like, it just it just kind of, like, throws all of that out and makes a joke out of it, which is kind of insensitive. So, as far as we're going, we're two seasons for two on insensitive history jokes. <laughs> so, there's that. But the weirdest part about this song and maybe this episode although this episode doesn't like it has some contenders for other weird moments but this one's probably the weirdest and like the the 
worst thing in this episode? I don't know. It's hard to tell. So before we get into that, I would like to define another term. Plausible deniability. Now, basically what that is, is that it's the ability to deny something even though there's some abstract evidence for it because there's no concrete evidence for that. As an example, uh, in the musical Hamilton, uh, one of the lyrics in uh, Ten Dual Commandments is the doctor turned around so he could have deniability. So what that means is that he can say he didn't see anyone fire a gun in a duel. And that is technically true, but that's only because he wasn't looking. He knows a duel happened, and he got paid in advance for it. Because he didn't see it, he can say he didn't see it. So, there's that. So the reason we're defining plausible deniability is to see how that just goes straight out the window here. So, they bring up how Paris is the city of love. And how do we do this? Well, it's Sunil on a boat with a human woman. A human adult woman, mind you. So, like, for up until now, this show had plausible deniability when it comes to the relationship between humans and animals being strictly platonic. As much as Jean... My friend Jean saw it as much as TV Trope sees it, as much as the my brother Tom saw it, as much as whoever saw it, I can assume in my brain that that is just an unintentional side effect of just them writing the characters as close as they are. But... Now that goes out the window because Sunil is actively romancing a human in this scene. And I can't. And it's, it's infuriating. And what makes this even more infuriating is that Sunil is romancing an adult. Russell is accused of trying to pursue Blythe, who is 13. And even if she's 15 or 16, that still puts her not 18. And we don't know how old the pets are supposed to be, so it's weirder. Is Russell trying to 
date someone that much younger than him? Or is Sunil trying to date someone that much older than him? And to be perfectly honest, I can kind of forgive Sunil's point of view because that's just, you know, typical, you know, discovering your romance options at an early age, trying to figure them out, and, like, it's just easier that way. But in reverse, it's kind of creepy. And I know, like, uh, like a few episodes ago in, like, Blythe's Big Idea, I accused Russell of being, like, Scott Pilgrim, but I didn't think another way <laughs> he was like Scott Pilgrim was be trying to date someone who is underage. So this whole thing is just out in the open and needs to be talked about and probably true now because of this one scene in this ego-boosting song for Paris where Sunil tries to romance a human. I don't... I don't know what to say to that. That is incredibly weird. And I just don't get it anymore. It, cause like, it just it just throws out like any semblance of defense that I could give this show. I can say that like I don't see it, but that's only if I don't see it. If I see it, I lose that plausible deniability. And it's so infuriating. Mainly because I just don't like being wrong. You know? I mean, I can see where they're thinking that, but as long as, like, nothing comes of it or nothing like this happens, I can still maintain <laughs> that it's not there. But I can't do that anymore. I, it's there. I can see it. I'm just gonna move on. Because how do you deal with that? How, how do you deal with that? So... The, the pets are excited because they love their idea of Paris, which contradicts what Paris actually is. So they might have Paris syndrome if they go to actual Paris, but not this Paris, because we're going to learn that this Paris is, you know, wonderful and stuff. Uh, that, that, that part bugs me. Like, almost as much as 
the human thing. Like, the human thing is worse because now it suddenly brings age into the equation and whether or not Russell wants to date someone who's under age, which he shouldn't. He obviously shouldn't. That's, that is clearly wrong. <laughs> Russell might not be a good person. <sighs> but, like, the whole ego uh, sto stroking of Paris is just so... <sighs> I don't know. So they're excited about seeing Paris on TV, but they have to worry about getting the channel in the first place, still. Meanwhile, Blythe is enamored with Paris and is super excited. However, Zoe just wants to go to the dog show. Blythe says it's by the Eiffel Tower and points out that it's close by. Zoe says that she doesn't want any distractions, but then sees a dog that distracts her. It is a uh, French Spaniel, I think they say later in the episode. It's a Spaniel, I know that much. Uh, she goes to confront this dog and asks him not to distract her, but he mimes his heart pounding and Blythe tells her that he's a mime dog and Gives him something. I can't tell if it's change or food. But later in the episode, we see change given to f this dog. And I'm wondering, wh what can this dog do with money? It's a dog. <laughs> can, can animals actually just buy things? Is that why there are commercials geared to animals? Is that why animals watch TV? Because they can buy things? Like, what What can a dog do with money? Okay. <laughs> I am discovering more about this episode the more I talk about it. This episode is a lot weirder than I thought it was. So, uh, Blythe says that Paris is famous for mimes. And according to the bowl he has, his name is Philippe. Which is really really on the nose <laughs> for like it's I mean it's silly I, I kind of like that like like I kind of need that after going on a rant about human animal relations in this universe and like it's just it's just so French that I I love it so, uh, Philippe gives Zoe an imaginary flower, and Zoe becomes quickly taken in with him. Blythe leads the way to the dog show, and then sees how much Zoe is distracted by Philippe, and reminds her of why she's here. So, Blythe and Zoe enter the grounds of the dog show, and Blythe becomes excited about the show, while Zoe can't stop thinking about Philippe, and Madame Palm walks over and greets Zoe with her usual exuberance. Like, like if there's one thing to be said about Madame Pop, is that she doesn't do anything 
halfway. She she goes the full nine yards in everything she does. And this introduction to her in this episode is really great. So, Zoe's still distracted very much by Philippe to notice Madame Palm, like, hugging her and kissing her on the cheek and stuff. And just, like, so busy thinking about Philippe, she doesn't really notice that. So, Blythe asks if she'll get over Philippe in in time for the competition. And then later in their hotel room, which is later apparently supposed to be a day has gone by, so I guess they just stopped to see everything. Uh, Blythe is working on costumes for Zoe, and Zoe is still daydreaming about Philippe. Blythe confronts her on this and says that they've only met yesterday, but Zoe says, like, I can't stop thinking about him during the day, during the night, every time in between. It's all Philippe. And Zoe has gone, like, full-on lovesick for this mime dog of Paris, and it's kind of a problem. And Blythe promises that they will meet up again after the dog show, but Zoe wants more. What about after that? She asks. So then uh, Emma stops by. Uh, I've been... I've been missing Emma, actually. (laughs) Like... Uh, uh, Emma's talking about this and talking about Emma is just a good come down from like that rant I went on about that song. So, uh, stops in and offers Blythe a tour. Blythe asks what her flag is for, and Emma says it's for a tour group so they don't get lost. But since she doesn't have a tour group, it's just for practice. I love Emma's determination. <laughs> And wanting to become a tour guide. It is so pure. It's kind of like Blythe in her fashion. And do do pilots and children of pilots just have a lot of determination? Because that, that seems like a thing. Like... Their parents, or at least one of their parents, are pilots. And they're as determined as ever and know what they want. And I love that. I love that quirk of this universe. Much more than a few of the other quirks in this universe. It's so good. So... Uh, Blythe says she wants to, but isn't really done costuming yet. Emma says she'll be waiting in the lobby when she's ready. So Blythe makes an arrangement with Zoe, saying that she and Emma will take her to the dog show early, and she can tour Paris with Emma. Zoe agrees to the idea, but you know she has something going on in her head. So Blythe leaves Zoe at the dog show and puts her behind the fenced area. Blythe reminds Zoe and that they'll be back by about four and to stay there. Emma says that Zoe will be alright and they should be going. So Blythe and Emma leave, but before the fence can 
fully closed. So he sticks her paw out and makes off from the dog show. So back at the pet shop, Vinny is engrossed with the insect channel and tries to eat the insects to no avail. Twombly says that they're getting the channel that the dog show is on and changes it to that channel. Vinny's upset by this and he grabs the remote and changes it back to the insect channel. When Sunil tells him that uh, they don't want to miss the dog show, Vinny just shouts that no one is changing the channel in a scary tone which scares everyone. They really should know what Vinny is like with TV because they've been through that before. But this seems a little different than like Godzilla in it. This is more like an intimidation technique rather than full on Godzilla. Although maybe Vinny will go full on Godzilla if like the remote is taken from him. Wow, Vinny really sucks at like sharing the TV remote. But back on task. Uh, where was I? So uh, Zoe finds Philippe and he gives her another mime flower. Zoe wants him to talk, but instead he keeps going on with his mime act, and Zoe interprets each mime move to mean something about them, like how they feel trapped in their circumstances, or how that there's a force pulling them together, or how like the winds are supposed to be separating them, or something. I don't. I didn't really want to write all of them down. I wasn't in that particular mood at that point. So, like, but it's just amusing to see. So, meanwhile, Blythe is obsessed with Paris, and Emma points that out. Emma says, uh, maybe they should head back, but Blythe says they have some time. And, uh, Emma pulls out a map and says that there's a good ramen place nearby, but Blythe points out that she's holding a map of Tokyo. Uh, and they say that they should get a map of Paris because they don't have a map of Paris. So Blythe spots a French cafe and gets excited and goes there. So, back at the pet shop. How many times have I said back at the pet shop in this podcast? And how many times will I say back at the pet shop in this podcast? I don't know. It's just one of those things that you can't avoid. So, like I said, back at the pet shop. Uh, Pepper converses with Russell about Vinny's obsession with the insect channel. Russell says he has a plan and shouts to Vinny that across the street are additions to an all-gecko dancing channel. But Vinny stays glued to the insect channel. And Pepper says, that wasn't one of your better ideas. And Russell says, yeah, I, I agree to that. So, um, Zoe brings Philippe to the dog show, back at the dog show, and Philippe rides an invisible bike around to move. So, what I mean by that is that he's completely off the ground, making bicycle motions, but he's still moving as if he is riding a bicycle, 
but he isn't because he's a mime and is only miming riding a bicycle. Yes. Philippe is also immune, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know. It's it's just something I had to point out because, like, it, it's there. So, Zoe introduces Philippe to Madame Pom as her soulmate. Philippe gives Madame Pom a flower and Zoe says, I thought that was our thing. But then Madame Pom... Uh, like, kind of sees Philippe for what he is and takes Zoe aside. So Madame Palm is wondering about how Zoe feels about Philippe, but Zoe gets defensive and says that they were meant to be together. And, uh, like, she continues to say that everything he does is about their burning romance. And Madame Palm is like, are you sure you're just not seeing what you want to see? I just don't want you distracted for the competition. But then Zoe becomes hostile and says that Madame Pom is just jealous because I found someone for me and you haven't. And you just want to distract me from the contest. But Zoe says she doesn't care about it and runs away with Philippe. So, Blythe and Emma are at the cafe... And at this point, Blythe has completely fallen for Paris. She said she would move here in a heartbeat if it wasn't her for her friends back home. That uh, comes up a little later, but... Uh, you know, yeah, that just comes up a little later. So Blythe checks the time and realizes that it's almost four and that she's on the verge of breaking her promise. So she goes out and tries asking for directions, but can't get anywhere with it because... She doesn't know French and wanted to write it off as a language. <laughs> and, uh, honestly, I think I heard, like, French is an easier language to learn. I don't know. Either way, I, I guess it is a little complicated if you don't know it. But that's all language. <laughs> so, uh... Emma apologizes and says she didn't know her animal friends meant so much to her. And Blythe says, they mean the world to me. So, I brought this up in, like, what did you say? But I think this is continued evidence that, like, Blythe is a little depressed and the pets sort of act as an antidepressant because they're always just there for her if she needs it. And even though Blythe has been getting progressively more busy with things and, you know, hangs out with her other friends, too. Like, like they're there if she needs them. And it feels really bad to disappoint Zoe because, like Zoe said, she's never disappointed her before. And Blythe feels completely obligated to her because they helped her break out of her lonely streak by just being there and talking to her and stuff. Which I think is a cool theory. It's a neat theory. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say 
the exact circumstances are cool. But it's an interesting idea, and one that really grounds this show. Which it kind of needs after after some of the nonsense that goes on in this show. So Emma says she has a foolproof plan to get her to the grounds. And that the plan is simple that every tour guide has up their sleeve. She then calls a taxi. Blythe asks if that's how you say taxi in French, and Emma says that's how it's said everywhere, which is basically true because it's kind of necessary, I guess. Or at least it was. I don't know how necessary it is anymore. I mean, do you trust a taxi in a foreign country or do you trust an Uber in a foreign country? It it depends now, but like, like, I can see why taxi is, like, the most common shared word across all languages. And it's a relatively new word, but it's also for a relatively new concept that just needs ease of use. And having it just be one blanket word is just cool. I, I really like words and word formation. So, uh, she asks to go to the Eiffel Tower, but they get caught in traffic. So, back at the shop, Vinny is still engrossed with the insect channel, but a fly pops up for real, and Vinny goes after it. This leaves the remote open to Pepper to change the channel. And it turns out the fly was actually fake, and it's on, like, a fishing line with a fishing pole that Russell has to quite literally catch Vinny off guard so that they can watch Zoe on TV. The show starts and everyone is excited. Vinny apologizes and says sometimes TV can feel real. That's not really a problem this show has sometimes. But it's also something that the show has some other times too. Like with what I just mentioned about like Blythe having depression and her animal friends being her means of escape from that, I guess. You know, I'm just going to say, I don't know how depression exactly works, because I don't think I've had it. But it's the only real thing I can think of when it comes to, like, feeling incredibly down and like not really wanting to do stuff so I, I might be ignorant in my use I just don't know what a better way of describing that feeling would be so uh, Russell says that it's alright and happens to all of us just have a seat and watch it so, Zoe and Philippe are walking almost arm in arm, but uh, they're miming it instead, and Philippe runs into a fake wall. Zoe begins to get a little annoyed and wants Philippe to speak. Philippe picks her another flower, and she just stamps on it and explodes on him, asking him, why won't he say anything? She understands some French, so it can't be a language barrier which is an interesting line to put in. 
After he doesn't speak more, Zoe realizes what a fool she was. And then hears that the competition is about to begin, even though she's a few miles away. Or at least one mile away. I don't know how fast dogs can go, or how big Paris is. Although Paris is pretty big, but like, I don't know how big it is in terms of area. So, uh, she wonders if she'll make it in time. And then parts ways with Philippe, saying, you know, I'll think of you in a positive light. Will you do, too? And Philippe just kind of mimes something, and Zoe kind of takes it as a yes. So Blythe is working on an outfit for Zoe in the cab still, but thinks it's too late to do it. And then Emma comes up with another idea and explains that the most important part is to know what excuse me in French is. Because the plan is to just car hop and excuse me in French is pardonnez-moi. I think I'm saying that right. Pardonnez-moi. That is pardon and then a second N E-Z dash moi. And that is M-O-I. Which is you know, pardonnez-moi. If anyone speaks French, actually, tell me how right or wrong I got that. Probably wrong. So, yeah, Blythe is jumping from car to car saying, pardonnez-moi. And then uh, at the grounds, Zoe makes it, only to hear that she's been disqualified. She is sad about that, but it doesn't matter because there's something more important to be done. She finds Madame Palm and apologizes. She acknowledges that Philippe was incredibly handsome, but didn't offer much more than that. And she also says she realized that Madame Palm was just trying to look out for her, but she didn't listen. She asks Madame Palm for forgiveness, and Madame Palm <laughs> forgives her in the most Madame Palm way ever and I like that uh, so Blythe walks in and gives Zoe her dress but Zoe informs Blythe that she was disqualified and Blythe feels really bad and apologizes for leaving her when she should have been there for her but uh, Zoe said she was also distracted and uh then says that the important things have been worked out. But then Madame Palm has an idea on how to fix everything. So then, an announcement comes on saying that Madame Palm has dropped out of the singles round, which Zoe was disqualified from, but re-entered in the duo category with Zoe, which shocks the audience, and the announcer says, Bet you didn't see that one coming. And during this time, we also see the woman that Sunil was romancing in the song. She's real. She's there. I don't know. I don't know how that works. It's just interesting to point out. I mean, she's with another guy, so I don't think Sunil has much of a chance, but... I don't want to believe Sunil had any chance to begin with, so I guess it all worked out. You know, here I have plausible ability on that, because, like, 
I don't know what any of that means anymore. But I don't have plausible deniability where it counts. But, I mean, I'll take what I can get. So, Zoe and Madame Palm appear together and everyone is so excited. One person's so excited that he just starts screaming with like a blank expression on his face. He's not even like looking at anything. He's just staring off into the distance and his mouth is just wide open and his tongue is like, ah, and he's just screaming like, like just screaming for no reason while everyone else is screaming at Zoe and Madame Pom as they appear together. And they begin to muddle on the runway and apparently they take best in show, which is just given out right then and there. Okay. So, uh, everyone at the pet shop is watching and is ecstatic about it. So, after the show's over, Blythe apologizes again. And Zoe says it's okay and that she was distracted too. And Zoe says that we learned that we need to keep our head on our shoulders... And then a Scottish Terrier walks by and compliments Madame Pom and Zoe. And Zoe gets love struck again. But Blythe literally brings her down to earth because Zoe was floating for a second. Maybe a thing she picked up from Philippe? Because he just floats to fly around, I guess, too. And Zoe says that she wants to go home now. And Blythe ends the episode by saying... We'll always have Paris, which a little cheesy and a little odd that they would be referencing that. I mean, I guess it's not because like Casablanca is a classic movie, but like, I don't know. It. I just, I guess it just goes back into... You know, stroking the ego of Paris. And, um, I guess that ends this episode. I mean, I don't know what else to say. It's it's a fine episode, and I like parts of it, and it's just silly and dumb at times. But then, like, the whole fact that it just strokes the ego of Paris, like, so hard... It it really is kind of free advertising for an idealized version of Paris that doesn't exist. Like, I mean, things they say are true. It has the Louvre. It has the Eiffel Tower. It has good food. But, like, they take it to the extreme in this. And... I mean, I guess that's what shows are supposed to do. Like, have extremes, but like... I don't know. Like I said, like I've been saying, I don't know how well extremes work when you have moments where, like, Blythe is feeling sorry for herself because she can't be trusted... To help Zoe. And she just feels really bad for herself. Because of that. Because she sees Zoe as like. Someone who helped her out of a rough time. 
and that's not even head cannon. Like that's that's just cannon. Like her moving to downtown city was like hard on her because it was very sudden. She didn't really have much time to prepare or many choices to take. And you know, meeting Zoe and having her, you know, sing to her to try and calm her nerves about Little S Pet Shop, like kinda maybe helped her in the end. I don't know, cause like my point is like it kinda doesn't mesh and I know I've been saying this like pretty much since the podcast started, but it continues to be true and like the more true it is, like the bigger the like problem becomes you know like like I wouldn't mind like this extreme aversion of Paris if everything else in this show was that extreme but it's not there are a lot of things that are that extreme about this show but there are also a lot of things that are very down to earth and you know I, I'm in a loop about this, so uh, I'm going to just stop it right there. So that will be it for this episode of The Littlest Petcast. Be sure to leave your comments and reviews on Shout Engine, on Apple Podcast, on the Google Play Store, and wherever else RSS feeds go when they are riding invisible bikes. And just a reminder... The next episode is going to be on a weird date, whether it's going to be early uh, next week or late in the following week after. It depends on my work schedule, but uh, I am going to be spending next Friday, Saturday, and Sunday in Green Bay at KitsuneCon, so... I can't do a podcast Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. Wednesday is probably the latest I could record, which means it would be out on Thursday. But I can't record Thursday because then it would have to be out on Friday and then I have to leave Friday. You you get the idea. So, whenever that uh, next episode is, you will be tuning in for the episode Super Senile. And I will see you then, whenever that is. Thanks.